Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're You're listening listening to ghost host, host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly 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 at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to ghost host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host Sophia on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, an executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. This is April, the psychic housewife in New Jersey, featured on the travel channels, The Holes of Files. I just wanted to wish my very dear friend, Sophia Temporelli, a very happy 11-year anniversary right here on Live Paranormal. Congratulations, Sophia. I love you and I'm so proud of you. 
That's right, it's the Ghost Host Show. It's located temporarily on LionParanormal.com. Feel, feel free to call into the show, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316. As well, I see people are jumping into the LionParanormal.com chat room. Uh, make, uh, it only takes a second to get an avatar, and you're part of the LP family. And if you have any questions for our guests in the chat room, make sure that they're all caps so that we can uh, distinguish the question for our guests, too, as well. And today, we welcome twice Grammy-nominated multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, award-winning artist, author, lecturer, healer, celebrity, celebrity channeler, David Young to the program. Uh, David Young and Friends Love Wins Tour across the U.K. starts October 28th. So our friends across the pond, check out for a city near you and purchase tickets under the upcoming events tab at davidyoungmusic.com. That's davidyoungmusic.com as well. On Facebook, David Young Page. Instagram, David Young Soul Ascension. YouTube search, David Young Music. David Young extending the first hour of his audio book, too, as well, on the homepage of his uh, uh website too as well davidyoungmusic.com and it's his audiobook my experiences with lennon and harrison it's going to be free the first hour at davidyoungmusic.com also we want to thank tommy nast with rock band entertainment for connecting us with david for today's show upcoming next week and uh you know ironically enough we have author rob gutro promoting his latest release ghosts of england so you can take your uh, copy of ghosts of england to the concert also, we have Bent Light Communications founder, SETI researcher, William Lawrence, will be on the program on the 12th, and Ed and Lorraine Warren Foundation director, investigator, and empath, Bill Slevin, will be on the program on the 19th. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on liveparanormal.com and ghosthunting.com uh, Facebook fan page to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. Archive shows, if you miss anything, uh, they're available as free MP4 iTunes downloads on the homepage of LiveParanormal.com. And as well, we'll bring our host into the studio here. And go oh, good. You got right in. Sophia, congratulations on over 11 years of broadcasting here on Live Paranormal. Hey, thank you. I can't believe it's already been 11 years. You're doing a fantastic job. You've helped a lot of people through the years with your show. You have all the Twitters and all the different things. Where can people find you these days? I'm on Twitter, at Temporelli with one L, and Instagram, just at Temporelli. Yeah, we cursed you with a long name. So just drop one of the L's in Temporelli, and you'll pretty much be able to find her everywhere. Well, exciting show. Tell us about your guest today, Sophia. Today we welcome twice Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, award-winning artist, author, lecturer, healer, celebrity, channeler, David Young. The David Young and Friends Love the Wind Tour across the UK starts October 28th. Everyone visit davidyoungmusic.com, Facebook David Young page, Instagram David Young Full Ascension, YouTube search David Young Music. Let's welcome him into the show. Well, David, trying to unmute. That usually means a lot of people are tuning in right now. Okay, we got you in. The, we got you in, David. Thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. Hey, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, well, Tommy and I have been friends for years, and I know Tommy's connected to you guys, and I've been, I've been living in the paranormal. What can I say? Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing just you know how many connections there are within the paranormal. Uh, we've known Tommy for so long, so it's great he was able to you know connect us and get you on the show today. His brothers work again. 
So, David. Oh, well, I was just going to say, um, I know that, as my dad mentioned earlier in the show, that you have an audiobook that you have the first hour of it for free. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, in 2010, um, by that time, I had sold a million CDs of, of my music, and um, I was going through, like, this big change because there was a big shift in my life. And... Mm-hmm. Um, George Harrison started appearing in my life. And I, and I have to say that um, before the experience, I started meditating 27 years before that experience started. And I didn't have a beer, a glass of wine, a joint. I didn't even have chocolate or coffee for 27 years. So when this experience started, I really couldn't understand why George was interested in me because I was really not interested in him. I was born in 1961, mm-hmm. so a little too young to be a Beatles fan. And if, right. if I'd have to make a list of the 50 guitar players that influenced me the most, he would not have been on the list because I was a Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Bad Company, Humble Pie fan. I liked hard rock, and I really didn't um, I didn't really listen to song-orientated music so much, you know. And But once these experiences started, they, they never stopped. And... You know, I know a lot more now, 12 years after this started, um, you know, versus back then. It took me three years to stop being skeptical because I thought being skeptical showed people that I was intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. Because we have a certain, a certain thing where, you know, we're taught as kids, you know, don't believe everything you hear and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I am... Um, during my meditations, my, you know, my 27 years of meditation before it started, I did experience different levels of inner peace, and I saw the inner white light and the inner purple light and sometimes the gold light. Um, but I'd never had an experience with somebody who was not alive anymore. And honestly, I was so afraid of ghosts when I was younger. It, it really got in the way. And so after three years of me having these experiences and – it was enough to fill a book, which became my book, Channeling Harrison. Um, after three years, a, a famous channeler from Canada who I had never met sent me an email mm-hmm. from George and John because he had been channeling George and John for, well, he had channeled John a lot longer because he died a lot earlier than George died. Um, and he had interviewed John on, on his, on his like, um, interview page of his website about 20 times and he had interviewed George about 10 times and uh, he sent me an email from George and John telling me um, that I was doing a a really good job keeping track of all the stories for the book and um, and they sent you know some nice things to me and and so from that point forward I spoke to George and John through this channeler Bob Murray for two years up until Bob died. Um, so it started, he actually called me the first time. Um, on, I actually got the message the first time on October 22nd, today, but 2013, nine years ago today. And so when wow. we went through the interview today, I thought, wow, this is incredible because the number nine has been repeating in my life ever since this experience started. And what could be more perfect than doing this interview with you guys today? 
Absolutely. I mean, it's amazing that you had those experiences and, you know, were able to write a book on them as well. Um, Because, you know, it, he was such an iconic, you know, a part of the music world. So I know that there's so many people with a love for, you know, not only the Beatles, George Harrison, and uh, that would like to know more just, you know, from that kind of connection on the other side. Well, George, um, everybody knows he was a really spiritual guy, and he was a multidimensional guy. To call George a musician and only a musician would kind of like um, be like calling Vincent Van Gogh, um, I meant Leonardo da Vinci, a good painter because he did so many other things besides painting, and mm-hmm. George did so many other things besides playing music. You know, he was yeah. he's mo- mostly known for playing music and playing guitar and singing and writing songs that were really spiritual. Um, but he had so many other things that he was involved with, and he was so interested in spirituality at a time, you know, 55 years ago when spirituality had not really made its way to the Western world yet, you know. Um, when George was uh, in utero before he was born, his mom was really interested in Indian music. You know, they, they grew up in Liverpool, obviously, and Indian music probably wasn't the most popular music in in Liverpool at the time, but her mom, his mom listened to that music a lot um, before he was born, and so he grew up hearing that, and so when he went to India the first time, it was really a resonating thing, because not only did he have the experience of listening to that music through his mother, but I can tell you that um, he he had lifetimes in India which really resonated with him when he went there. And that was part of the whole Beatles experience when they went when they went to India and studied from the Maharishi because they're you know, mm-hmm. you have to remember that people were not talking about meditation in nineteen sixty seven or nineteen sixty eight. That you know, that was not a conversation anybody was having in America. And because the Beatles were so popular and because George and John got so interested in meditation and spirituality and Hinduism and mantras and all this different stuff. Um, it it became a huge thing when they brought that information and those spiritual techniques from India to America. That was that was big, a gigantic deal. And you know, when they brought it to Western Europe, you know, nobody was talking about this stuff. And so, not only were they ahead of their time musically, but because they were opening up spiritually, it really, that vibration and that um, that intention that was behind their interest in spirituality and their interest in sharing their spirituality with people, it took their music to another level because it was just more powerful because it had spiritual energy in it. And there really were not many people who were making rock or pop music that had a spiritual intention behind it. I mean, Cat Stevens, mm-hmm. I love Cat Stevens, you know. Um, right. But the Beatles took it to a place where they actually were, I guess you could say, like they were channeling that information for the rest of the world. I never thought about it like that until now, but that's really what was happening. 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing just how music shapes people and, you know, can help them through, you know, periods of life or, you know, concentrated. It's it's really amazing just the way it affects you on that a mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, George had all of these different interests. He actually painted, and he was mm-hmm. a collector. You know, and he made movies. You know, George Harrison was the guy who put up the money for Monty Python to make The Life of Brian. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the interesting thing is just, you know, the creative ability of, you know, uh, just people who are creative in life and, you know, just the different facets that they have. You know, there's so many, you know, different medias for art and just the way, you know, creating something can not only help you as a person, but also the people who view it or listen to it. You know, one of the things that I want to say is that when we think about people, we kind of like put them in a little box. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's real, yeah. you know, very natural for people to think of George as just being a, a musician or for people to just judge people on the surface, you know. But when we have a spiritual intention in life, that is an energy that is driving us inwardly. And George had a spiritual intention, and John had a spiritual intention. And the thing is, is that in this physical world, we separate everything. You're, you're this religion or that religion. You go to this church or that temple or that synagogue. You know, everything gets separated. But the thing is, is that in the heavenly dimension, everything is connected by this thing that's called oneness. There is no separation in the higher levels of life, in the spiritual world that you can call heaven, you can call it the inner world, the world above the physical world. And the thing is, is that mm-hmm. if, if, you would, if you would think, okay, well, everybody's wondering, man, there's all these religions in the world, and how do I know which one is the right one? You know, how do I know which one is fake and which one is real? How do I know which one is the truth? And how do I know which one is just a big story that I don't know if I should For believe? Sure. You know? And the thing is, is, is that when I started to do my meditation event, promoting my book, Channeling Harrison, in 2014. So I would tell these stories and I would show a PowerPoint with these amazing things that George had manifested in my life from the other dimension, right? And then after telling stories and showing this, this stuff for about a half hour, 45 minutes, I'd tell the audience, okay, everybody close your eyes. I'm going to play the flute now, and I'm going to play for about 20, 25 minutes, and let's see what happens. So people closed their eyes, and I guided them in meditation a little bit, and then I started to play the flute. And then, um, you know, 25 minutes later, I stopped playing the flute, and they opened their eyes, and I would say, okay, who has thing that they would like to share from their experience of something that they saw or felt or experienced during the meditation. And at the very first event mm-hmm. I did this, and in the front row raised her hand and she said, um, well, when I closed my eyes, you started playing the flute. Uh, my grandmother appeared to me in spirit. She was so happy and she looked a lot younger than she looked when I remember her. And she showed me all around heaven. She connected me to some of my relatives over there that I hadn't seen since I was a little kid. It was the most beautiful experience ever. Wow, thank you so much. 
Now, I had never had that experience. And honestly, if anybody would have told me they had an experience like that, I would have never believed them because I didn't believe in that. Okay? So can you imagine sitting in front of an audience? Let's say it's 30 people in the audience. They just finished meditating. and Somebody shared something like that. I didn't even know what to say. I, 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 could, I definitely couldn't say what I was thinking, you know, because that yeah. would have been, you know, I, right? So I said, okay, well, who else wants to share something? And this woman in, in the next row over said, well, my mom appeared to me in spirit. And she told the mm. same story, of, like the, the same exact thing. And there were five people that first night who shared that experience. And I'm thinking, wow, this is wild. You know, this sounds crazy mm-hmm. to me. You know, I had had my own experiences with George, but I didn't know that other people were having their own experiences too, you know. And so every night I did those events, five or 10 or 15 people in the audience were sharing friends from childhood who died young appeared to them, or their dad or their grandfather, somebody in their family who they loved that was now in spirit on the other side, on the heavenly side. And after uh-huh. about, um, yeah, I'm telling you, it happened. It happened every single night. I did 500 events, and every single one of those events, this is what I heard from 5, 10, 15 people, every single one. And so I got used to it after a while. And one of the funny things that was happening was that my book, the first book, was called is called Channeling Harrison, okay? And there would be many people who were psychics and mediums, channelers, you know, they're all in the same category generally, in the same genre. And many of these psychics would come to my event. And when the meditation was over, the, the psychics would often raise their hand, like on different nights. So they didn't know what, what people said the night before or the night after them, you know. And it was just a random thing they would say. They would say, you know, I, I can see George standing to your right in spirit. But why is John Lennon standing on your left if his name isn't in the advertisement for this event and if his face or his name is not on the cover of the book? See here, if there's nothing that's connected to John Lennon, there was no way these people would have had any idea that John was already appearing to me and he was George's partner in the whole thing. He was actually George's partner in the whole thing before George. That's a story that I don't really get to tell too often because once Bob Murray connected into the picture, so I was able to talk to George and John every day for an hour to an hour and a half until he died. So that was from 2013 till 2015. And wow. And and yeah, can you imagine? I, I there was times that we actually mm-hmm. ran out of things to say. We ran out of things to talk about because we had been talking for an hour, an hour and a half for two years. And one of the things that I asked George once I found out that John was involved, because, you know, I had three years of this experience with George, and that was hard enough for me to wrap my mind around because I didn't believe in channeling. So it was kind of funny that my book mm-hmm. was called Channeling, and I didn't believe in channeling. So one of the things that I asked George through Bob Murray was I said, when did you tell John about me? Because I've been having experiences with George for, for three years. I mean, you can't believe the crazy things that, that happened. I mean, I, three months after this whole experience started, I started dating this woman. And on my third date with her, she said, well, what was the highlight of your career? And I said, it was 
when Paul McCartney started standing ovation for me in 1999, 999, another group of three nines. And um, so after I told her the story about that, she said, well, did you know that George Harrison used to babysit me when I was a kid? I was like, wow, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? And she said, no, my mom and dad went to the same yoga ashram in Tucson, Arizona, back in the 60s. And that's where the Beatles used to go to get away from Beatlemania mm-hmm. and just to, to rest. And it was, an, it was a beautiful place. And her mom and dad split up while they were at the ashram. And then after her dad left the ashram, her mom started to date George. She and George fell in love, and two months later, George moved her and her mom to England, and she grew up in George's castle. Can you imagine how wild it was for me to hear that? And this was, this kind of stuff has been going on ever since this started in 2010. So it's 2014, I'm doing these events, and um, I asked, I asked George, you know, when did you tell John about me? And he said it was the other way around. I said, I don't understand. He said it was the other way around. I said, I really don't understand what you're trying to say. And he said, John told me about you. And I'm like, well, Mm. well, how did that happen? And he said, well, do you remember in 1999 when you played for Paul McCartney's daughter, Heather? It was her launch of her art. She has a gift line with her artwork on all these different housewares things. And, um, well, do you remember after, you know, after Paul was really, really complimentary to you, do you remember his manager gave, asked you for a CD for himself and a CD that he could give for Paul because Paul wanted one of my CDs? And I said, sure. So I gave him a copy of my Bliss CD. Well, Paul took that Bliss CD back to his office, and he played it eight hours a day, every day, for him and everybody in his office. And all the people who worked at McCartney Publishing were listening to my music every single day. Now, one of, the things, one of the things that happened on October, October 22nd of 2013 was that Paul McCartney did a press conference and in that press conference on international television, um, they, they asked Paul, are you writing or collaborating with anybody? And on international television, Paul McCartney said, I'm still writing and collaborating with John. And once in a while, I get together with George. Now, on that same day, mm-hmm. okay, when that happened, before I knew that happened, um, I got this phone call from Bob Murray, okay, um, regarding George and John, and that's that's what happened over there. On the same day, I got that that phone call, which blew my mind so bad it was hard to drive, because I had to drive to Cincinnati from Virginia. I had like a six-hour drive, and I'm on, on a winding road. That message from Bob Murray, and I am just beyond shocked because. The things that were in this letter and the things that Bob said to me were things that nobody knew about me, and things that messages from George and John that that I had been asking my friends these questions. They were the answers to the questions that I was asking my friends. Okay, and it was so mind to have all of this happen, and so 
um, from from there, um, it just kept getting more and more involved, and these things were happening all the time to me, and I just kept track of all of it, and I put them in my book, Channeling Harrison. I just finished the audiobook. The audiobook of Channeling Harrison is not up on my website yet because we just finished it yesterday. Um, but the audiobook from my experiences with Lennon Harrison that came after Channeling Harrison. That's the one free um, hour that you get on, on my website uh, that's called My Experiences with Lennon and Harrison. So back to Paul McCartney and, and John Lennon. So George explained this to me through Bob Murray, is that both John and Paul McCartney both lost their moms, you know, within a year or two of each other when they were kids, around nine or ten years old. And it was a devastating thing to both of them. And because they had that void in their life, their friendship became so important to them because they didn't have two parents like everybody else. And their friendship had to, had to fill a place in their life. And that's why John and Paul were so close. Okay? Now, after John was killed when he was 40 years old in 1980, because John and Paul were so close, this is what... This is what George explained to me through Bob Murray. Because John and Paul were so close from the time they were kids, they had such a, a bond. When, when we lose somebody or when somebody who we really care about transitions or dies, okay, that love, that bond never dies. It doesn't matter if a year goes by, 10 years go by, if 100 years go by, or 500 years go by. That love is always there. And so because John and Paul had such a strong connection, John was easily able to appear to Paul the same way that your grandmother could appear to you or your mm-hmm. dad or somebody who you love who's in spirit can appear to you in spirit. John was able to appear to, to Paul easily because they had that bond. And one of the things that I found out from doing my events is that if you asked 100 people who just had somebody who they loved transition, died and gone to the next level, to the heavenly dimension, if you asked 100 people within 48 hours of when that person died, most of those 100 people would say that the person who they loved appeared to me in a dream or appear to me in my room either right before they died or within a day or two after. It's usually 48 hours before, mm-hmm. 48 hours after. And most of those people would say that that person who they loved, whether it was their best friend from childhood or whether it was their mom or their grandfather or whoever it was, appeared to them. So that supports the whole idea of the fact that John was able to appear and communicate with Paul. And so what happened, and then I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound like a really difficult thing to stretch your imagination to think that this is possible, but this is what they explained to me. They explained that Paul communicated with John that he had met this flutist. He called me this flutist. And and then he really liked my music, and that I played two flutes at one time. And so John looked me up in the heavenly dimension, looked into my soul records, and could see mm-hmm. 
that we were connected in the past. Okay? Wow. So, so this happened in 1999. Well, two years later, in 2001, George died. George transitioned. And, you know, when we arrive in heaven, we're greeted by the people who are the most important people in our lives. It's usually one or two people. Or if it's a whole family, it could be a whole family. And because George and John were so, you know, everybody talks about how close John and Paul were because they wrote songs together. But John's friendship with George was just as valid and powerful as John's friendship with Paul. You know, um, just because mm-hmm. I used to think because John and Paul were a songwriting team that, you know, I honestly, I don't mean this to sound insulting, but I, I really looked at George as like he he was a guy on the side. I didn't look at him like because the Beatles got so much attention from Lennon and McCartney being this great songwriting team. You know what I mean? I didn't really. Um, that was one of the reasons why I, I wasn't. um hip to George Harrison because I was hip to guitar players who played like Jimmy Page or Led Zeppelin or, you know, or Bad Company or ACDC. That was a style that, that I, I really loved. I loved a lot of fast notes and George played a lot of beautiful notes. He didn't play a lot of fast notes and because I was younger, interested in, in showing off in fast notes. That's why I wasn't interested so much in the Beatles. Okay. So Paul explained to John that he's met me in spirit, John finds out, looks through my soul records, and finds out that I am in his soul group. And two years later, in 2001, George George dies. And when George dies, he connects with John right off the bat. And one of the things that, that is part of our heavenly experience is that we actually have a process while we're in heaven where we get to look at some of our previous lives if it will help us understand ourselves or help us understand our our mission in life. And one of the things that George and John had found out through their past life regressions while they were in the heavenly dimension after they died, one of the things that they found out is that we were in the same soul group, which meant that we had reincarnated multiple times throughout history. And that's why they came to wake me up when I didn't want to be woken up. You know what I mean? I was very happy in my old life playing at art festivals and spa conventions and, you know, selling my music, my flute music. I was very content. I sold a million CDs doing that, you know. I I traveled 40 weekends Mm -hmm. a year doing And I had no idea that the digital age was going to happen. And that was going to change the whole process of selling CDs, which is what I made a, a living doing since 1990. And so what they told me is that this is when they first started to, um, to connect with me through Bob Murray. One of the things they told me in, like, November of 2013, they wanted me to start doing events promoting my book, Channeling Harrison, in February of 2014. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. My book doesn't come out until four months later in May of 2014. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to be promoting a book that isn't even out yet? 
And so I was arguing with them because it didn't make any logical sense. And they got frustrated with me, and they said, look, from up here where we are, we can see all the way down where you are. And we can tell you absolutely for sure it will be in your benefit to start booking events in February, but you do what you want. Okay, well, the way they put it like that, I'm like, all right, I'll hire an agent. You know, it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical, but, you know, if they're going to put it like this to me, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do what they're saying, right? So I hire an right. agent, and this agent booked nine events, and the first event that they booked was on February 9th. And two weeks for that first Channeling Harrison event that was booked on channel on February 9th, my agent called me up, jumping out of her skin with excitement. She said, David, did you know that February 9th is the 50th anniversary of when the Beatles played on the Ed Sullivan Show, the first time when Beatlemania started? Wow. Two days before I mean, February this... Yeah, right. So two days before February 9th, on February 7th, the advanced copies of my books were received at my apartment. Two days before that, 50 years ago, is the day the Beatles arrived at Kennedy Airport, which was 10 minutes from my house where I grew up. Or in the suits coming off the plane, yeah. That's amazing. I I mean, it's incredible you've had these experiences and, you know, been able to connect like that and just all, you know, just the amazing things that have happened surrounding that, um, all the connections and everything. Um, So, I mean, that's really incredible i mean on top of your music you know just being able to write a book like that and you know learn more about channeling and get it you know more information out there to the general public about george harrison and channeling it's um really amazing you know that you were able to do all of that well i have to say that i never had a clue if you would have asked me like 20 years ago any of this stuff anything about channeling, about George Harrison, or any of this stuff, man, I would have just walked away laughing because, you know, I, the good thing, you know, there's some good things about the fact that we're living in 2022. And one of the good things about living in 22, if you can, if you could say that, is that the world is much more open-minded now at 20, mm-hmm. in 2022 than it was in 2014 when my Channeling Harrison book came out. Because when that came right. out, there were not all of these shows about channeling, and there wasn't, you know, yoga wasn't as popular. And, you know, yoga brings meditation, and when people meditate, they have spiritual experiences. You know, that, that's what happens, you know. And, or the pandemic, and so, yeah. One of the things that actually has actually changed the way people think is that over the last four or five years, Life has gotten so crazy in so many different ways that spirituality does not sound so crazy to people anymore. Out-of-body mm-hmm. experiences right. do not sound so crazy anymore. We've seen stuff on our televisions this last, this last four or five years that you never, ever would have dreamed you would ever see on a television. You know what I mean? There, yeah. You just can't even – can't, it was unfathomable. And what has changed is that the world has gone through such a traumatic thing with COVID and everything else that's happening that it doesn't sound – this spiritual stuff does not sound so crazy anymore. Definitely. Right. 
And, you know, with all that said, I know we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more questions. It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Our guest today, two twice Grammy-nominated multi-instrumentalist. He may have a surprise for us when we come back from break, too, as well, uh, playing two Renaissance flukes together. As he's renowned for that. Singer, songwriter, award-winning artist, author, lecturer, healer, celebrity, channeler, David Young. Everybody, uh, uh, visit DavidYoungMusic.com. That's DavidYoungMusic.com. David Young and his... Uh, First hour of his book, My Experiences with Lennon and Harrison, is also free right now, too, as well. So everybody check that out. The Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with the most Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. <laughs> I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Yeah, I'm trying to unmute everybody's line here with David Young and uh, Sophia. It usually means there's a lot of people listening when there's this much of a lag in the uh, mute. Uh, but, uh, David, as you were saying, and it, it seems important to mention, too, probably promoters. Oh, there we have you back in the studio. Promoters, they pretty much put Harrison and Lennon in a box, too, with, you know, coming out in a suit, not letting them really be who they are. And so, yeah, that took a – he had a real challenge of getting what he really wanted around that, I believe. You know, um, well, I, um, I, I didn't really plan on, on, on sharing some of the things that I shared with you today and, and some of the things I've said I've, I've never said in the interview and I've done, wow. I've, I've done many, many interviews. But um, mm-hmm. I can tell you something. Um, when George was in the Beatles, and this was, this was channeled through a channeler to me, Okay, so when George was in the Beatles, John and Paul were the main songwriters of the, of the Beatles, obviously, and George would get like one song on every album, you know, because most of the songs, the band was built when George was 15 and Paul was 17 and John was 19, he was the youngest one, and, you know, John and Paul were the songwriters, so 
you know, the songs, most of the Beatles songs in the beginning were written by Lennon and McCartney. And in the, in the mid to late 60s, George wrote this song called My Sweet Lord, and he presented it to John and Paul. And yeah. they didn't really like the song because it sounded too much um, sounded too much like a Christian song. It really wasn't in, in the Beatles style. They didn't really have those kind of songs, you know. And so they, they turned the song down, but George really liked that song, My Sweet Lord, so he recorded the song on his own. And the reason why he wrote the song, My Sweet Lord, was because George was fascinated with two people, two religious figures, if you want to call them religious figures or spiritual figures. He was fascinated with Krishna, who is one of the main saints or gods of the Hindu religion, which is based in India. Okay. Um, and he was also fascinated with, with Jesus. So he was, you know, those were his, his two um, his two favorite guides. Let's just call it that, you know. And so after he, um, after he records the song, My Sweet Lord, Jesus appears to him. And Jesus tells George, in my lifetime as Jesus, you are one of my biological brothers. And George told mm-hmm. me through the other that he fainted. Because what else are you going to do if Jesus wow. tells you you're one of his biological brothers, right? You gotta, you're going to faint or do something like that, right? You know? I, and you can imagine George's life was surreal enough at that point anyway, just being a Beatle and such a superstar. And now Jesus is telling him that he was one of his biological brothers, okay? So from that point on, you know, George had a, a relationship with with Jesus as one of the ascended masters, not as the only son of God, as one of the ascended masters like Krishna, like Moses, like Buddha, you know, like one of them. And a couple of years later, the Beatles broke up and George released the album, All Things Must Pass. And that had all these songs that George had been writing while he was in the Beatles, but that never made it onto Beatles albums. Okay? And the first song from All Things Must Pass that is released is my sweet lord and that becomes the number one song all all around the world okay and and george became the most successful beetle after the breakup of the beatles because all things must pass right. was like a number one okay um a couple of years later there was a comedy group in england called monty python's flying circus and they had a television show that was a really crazy goofy comedy show that was just bizarre. And the writers of Monty Python got a movie deal with EMI Pictures to make this movie Mm -hmm. called The The Life of Brian. Now, EMI Pictures gave Monty Python a $4 million budget, which today would have been $40 million, to make this movie The Life of Brian, but nobody at EMI ever read the script. Now, two months before they're supposed to start filming this in Algeria, in Africa. One of the executives at EMI reads the script because, you know, they're about to put out $4 million to, to make this movie. So they figured, well, maybe somebody over here should read the script just to see what the movie is about. And they immediately cancel the movie. Like they said it was the most blasphemous thing ever written in the history of the world. 
right? And right. so now Monty Python does not have the $4 million they need to make this movie. Well, somehow they got connected to George Harrison, and Eric Idle presented this idea to George Harrison. And George Harrison put a second mortgage on his 150-room mansion over there in England and gave Monty Python the $4 million to make the biggest, satirical movie ever about Jesus, which is called The Life of Brian. Yeah. And Jesus and Jesus put him up to it. Because Jesus wanted wow. that movie made. Because Jesus was guiding him yeah. from that point on. Yeah, I mean it's amazing just, you know, how things happen like that and, you know, how things can work themselves out. Um and, you know, with your music, you're able to help so many people through, you know, what's going on in their life as well. But you, we're coming towards the end of the show. So uh, I would love for the audience to get to know more about your tour that you are currently going on and about to go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, flying to Birmingham, England on Tuesday. I'll be speaking and presenting my meditation workshop and telling, you know, these stories at uh, the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo in Birmingham, England, next weekend, October 28th, 29th, and 30th. And then the following weekend, I'm in Glastonbury. And if you go onto my website, um, there's seven events booked right now, but there are other events that are being added, and they're all over England. And I'm looking forward to going there. I've, I've never performed in England. I've been there on a vacation, but I've never performed there, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And well, I mean, that's... On my website. That's amazing that you get to go to England and tour. Um, I mean, that's just very exciting, um, not only just to go over there with all the history and stuff, but, you know, just to share what you're doing in your music. Um, and, two, I know you also have a lot of other books you've written and, you know, music out there for people to listen to. So where can people find you, buy your books, and learn everything they can about, you know, everything you're doing? Well, the easiest way is just to go to my website davidyoungmusic.com the tour dates are on there um, my new album that I, a new vocal album that I just did called Love Wings is on there it was just released and um, my instrumental my flute music and if you'd like I could play a little bit of my flute for you just so you guys can have a sample of it yeah yeah definitely okay are you ready yeah for sure are you ready Amazing. David, that's uh, amazing. I 
just very powerful, you know, just the emotions you can get through, through flute music and, you know, everything and very soothing and just powerful. Well, how did you I learn play, that? Was I'm going How ahead. did I learn how to play two flutes at one time? Playing at Venice Beach in 1990 with a woman who played the harp and we had a little group called Celestial Winds. Okay, we sold 10,000 cassette tapes of Celestial Winds at Venice Beach from 1990 till 1992. And when wow. we used to play, you know, she had this these long white flowing dresses and a beautiful Celtic harp and long dark curly hair and she looked like this goddess on the beach and people would walk by and say oh look at that beautiful woman that beautiful harp and I was like the invisible man all day long okay (laughs) now in the beginning we only knew six songs right so when we would play those six songs over and over by the time we got to the afternoon we had played those songs like 20 or 30 times already which for a musician is called torture okay and so to break up the boredom of the fact that I'd already played those songs 20 times, I would pick up a second flute and try to play two of them at one time. And every time I did that, whoever was walking by would say, hey, look, there's a guy playing two flutes at one time. And then she was invisible. And honestly, it was the only reason why I did it was to get attention because I was the invisible man. Wow. I didn't play two. <laughs> that's one. I mean, oh, that's incredible. Amazing. Um but, yeah, I know I don't want you to have a hard close at the end of the show, um, but I do want to thank you so much for coming on today, David. It's been amazing talking to you and getting to hear all of your stories. And thank you, you know, so much for sharing stories that you hadn't previously shared on any other interviews. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Today's a really important day. It's nine years ago today that Bob Murray contacted me on George and John's behalf, and I got the first message from them. So, what a perfect way to to celebrate this day because it's such an important day for me. You know, my life changed because Bob Murray was be, was able to explain all these things about how heaven works and how we go back and how we can communicate with people who we love and people we didn't even know we love on the other side. Uh, you indicated it's a celestial new year and on the October 22nd. Well, thank you so much, David, and, and be safe on your tour, and, and congratulations. Oh, you, you're welcome, and thank you for the good wishes, and um, have a beautiful day. You too, thank and I'll you send you all David. the links have, to everything. Good luck on your tour. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you, David. Well, fantastic show today, Sophia. Absolutely. David was such a great guest. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely would not be possible without all of you. And I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. And for David, too, and uh, uh, for his links, uh, you right on his page, he has uh, for his upcoming UK tour starting October 28th. I know we have a lot of UK listeners, uh, a lot of people that are getting ready for their paranormal investigations. That's what's always been unique about Sophia's show is that in the UK, it's 8 p.m., this show. A lot of people out here, they pick late night. They want the late night uh dark spooky uh podcast here and then she picked an earlier time here and it works out great because she has a lot of people in greenwich meantime that tune in so for our friends across the bond for a city near you and purchase tickets under the upcoming events tab at davidyoungmusic.com that's davidyoungmusic.com so do that right now also visit on facebook david young page instagram david young soul ascension 
YouTube search David Young Music. And David Young is extending the first hour of his audiobook, My Experiences with Lennon and Harrison, free right now. So you can do that as well. Thank you, Tommy Nast at Rock Band Entertainment for uh, uh, providing today's show, for connecting us with David as well. Author Bob Gutro promotes his latest release, Ghosts of England. That's going to be next week, the 5th. Bentlight Communications founder, SETI researcher, William Lawrence, will be on the program on November 12th. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren Foundation Director, Investigator Empath Bill Slevin will be on this program on the 19th of November. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. So like the Ghost of Sophia Temporelli uh, Facebook fan page. As we learn of guests, as we learn of them real time, we post them there. The Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Debbie at Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.LiveParanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.